0: If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a very good air of Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you. Share a few minutes. Well, about an hour of chatting, conversation, Parsha, life, what's happening to us. I hope you've all had... A wonderful, wonderful Purim. What a special day it is. A day of joy, a day of celebration, a day of recognizing miracles, a day of understanding that here we are despite the best efforts of so many throughout history to try and bring us down. We are still here in celebration, in sharing, in care and concern. We had a great party at our home. And of course, the uh, man who ran the music was my producer here, Craig. He did it all he did a great job he has incredible equipment and um well he put it all together the people just loved it if you need somebody to run a great party with lights with music with well with everything he's the man to talk to call him here at the station you won't regret it the parshis kitisa a complicated Parsha as we'll soon talk about, and it's a special Shabbos because this Shabbos we again take out two Torah scrolls, one for the Parsha and one for the special reading of Para. Para is the portion talking about the laws of the red heifer, a complicated Mitzvah, a complicated law as well. It comes together, and of course, as we always say, it's important for us to understand the relationship between the special parsha and the weekly parsha, although in a sense, they might appear to be two separate things, but in actual fact, we'll talk about the relationship what is common between the two. The Parsha is complicated. It begins with the mitzvah of the half shekel that we talked about a few weeks ago, the half shekel that was used for the census, the count of people. It was used for the daily public offerings. It represented the unity of the Jewish people, the equality of the Jewish people, and the greatness of the Jewish people. And it ends, of course, with the mitzvah of the kior, the uh, urn, the labor, from which the... uh, Kohanim would draw water to wash their hands and feet prior to serving in the temple and yet the bulk of the parsha deals with an exceptionally painful topic the story of the golden calf and how the jewish people in a moment of confusion in a moment of weakness in a moment of rebellion take your choose take your pick choose what you want the fact is the jewish people at that time created a golden calf that they began to look at, some say, as a deity, as their god, some say as their leader. And instead of remembering the incredible covenant of, well, Sinai, revelation at Sinai, the Torah that they received, they began to dance around the golden calf, in a sense denying the greatness, the truth of God, interfering with the essential faith in God, and behaving in a way which indicates a total denial of what Sinai was all about. How did God begin the Ten Commandments? He began the Ten Commandments by clearly stating, I am God, your God, you shall not have any other gods in front of me. Idolatry is one of those cardinal laws in Judaism. Anything which denies the existence of God as creator, director of all of creation, and the one and only God, is something which is absolutely unacceptable and yet the jewish people did it it boggles the mind it's confusing yes the commentaries explain the talmud explains at great length mitigating a fact that it wasn't all the jews it was some of the jews it wasn't everybody it was this it was that it was a miscalculation Yes, and all those explanations are valid and real and should be understood and should be studied. But at the same time, we have to understand how is it possible that this thing happened? Even if you try to explain it and explain it well, as the Talmud and many of our commentaries do, nonetheless, it's something which begs the question, the question being, how is it possible that so soon, After Revelation at Sinai, when the Jewish people personally experienced the presence of God, God himself handing over the Torah to the Jewish people, how is it possible that they should behave in a way which seems to indicate a complete and total denial of their faith, their faith in one God, Hashem? And this is why this Parsha is a complicated Parsha. It's not only a disturbing Parsha, because the story is unsettling, the story uh, confuses us, but at the same time, it's a complicated Parsha, because we ask ourselves, what does this have to do with the name Kittisa? talking about the census, talking about the half shekel. How does this all come together and what it means as far as we are concerned in our personal lives? More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the Parsha. The Parsha speaks to us about a strange, disturbing story, the story of the golden calf and how the Jewish people behaved in a way which certainly, at first blush, appears to be something which denies their faith in God and acceptance of the one God and allow an element of idolatry to enter into their lives. How could this possibly happen? And the question that we asked as well, how does this connect with kitisa, elevating elevating the Jewish people, counting the Jewish people, however we're going to translate it. And perhaps therein lies the answer, kitisa. Torah tells us when you want to count the people, that is the accepted translation, the literal translation, is kitisa. To elevate the people. Now, elevation is not merely going from one level to another level. It's going from one state of awareness, consciousness, into an entirely different one. This is what elevation is all about. It's not only a movement of degrees. It's a quantum movement. It's a great movement. Kitisa elevating the head. One might simply say, well, the head is the highest point of the body anyways. Why does it need elevation? Of course, what the Torah is talking about is the elevation of the metaphorical spiritual head within the individual, the recognition, the necessity to grow beyond the limits of your own situation, not only partially, as I said before, not only in degrees, but a quantum leap of growth. How is that accomplished? After all, God gives us a certain set of circumstances. He gives us certain skills, abilities. He gives us the power to choose and within those choices we have the Opportunity of elevating ourselves to higher degrees, but sometimes, sometimes God gives us a certain opportunity that is way beyond the norm. If in fact we choose correctly within that condition, what we actually accomplish is sa a tremendous elevation of greatness where Actually, our consciousness, our awareness, the way we see things, feel things, understand things, changes incredibly dramatically. God gives us opportunities from time to time to exercise this incredible power of choice that we possess to such a degree that it takes us into a different level altogether. And one of those dimensions of choice that God gives us is that when we have erred, we have made mistakes, we have behaved incorrectly, we have transgressed, we've done something we shouldn't have done. God gives us an incredible gift called teshuva, repentance. Now, we've often spoken about repentance, the opportunity of doing something that indicates that we are truly regretful of how we behaved and want to reestablish a relationship of honesty, of integrity, of closeness. And this is something which is so important for us to understand because within the process of repentance, not only do you in fact clear the negativity of the past, you actually create a higher and greater bond than you had before. Let me give you an example. Any type of argument between friends, and sometimes friends do argue, and sometimes those arguments are very unpleasant. And sometimes we behave during those altercations in a way that we shouldn't toward each other whom we, in fact, truly love. But having gone through that situation and reestablishing a new bond, that bond is greater and better because it has stood the test of being challenged by conflict. Now, something which is being challenged by conflict brings about a realization that the essential connection bond between the two is so much greater than it was. Because at the time of the altercation, at the time of the disagreement, you think to yourself, well, that's it. I want nothing more to do with this individual. I want nothing more to do with this person. And yet what comes out from within in the process of reestablishing a relationship is an awareness of that, in fact, the depth of that connection bond, love toward each other, is so much deeper and greater than you understood previously. When we take that concept into understanding of our relationship with God, this is what repentance is all about. He gives us an opportunity of choosing. And even if we have chosen badly, he gives us the other opportunity of repentance of Teshuvah, which elevates us to an entirely different relationship with God. The post-Teshuvah relationship is far more intense, far more passionate, far closer, far deeper than the one that we had before we transgressed. I'm not suggesting for a moment that you should go out and transgress. After all, our sages tell us, I will sin so I can repent. Our sages tell us that is a very, very dangerous course to take. But if in fact it happens, and it happens more than often, and it happens in a situation, in so many situations, because always, almost on a daily basis we are challenged in our faith, in our relationship, in our commitment to Torah, our commitment to mitzvot. This is something which is important for us to understand. What, in fact, happens after the process of Teshuva is the relationship with God is so much greater. It's at a different level altogether. Now, what happened? What happened here at the Golden Calf? The Jewish people went through this enormous, enormous spiritual experience, Revelation at Sinai, when God gave us the Torah. Now, that was something which was quite unbelievable. In fact, our sages tell us it will never, ever be repeated. It was a moment in God's history, in our history, that is absolutely unique in the sense that it was so great never to be repeated. But the Jewish people were at a level of tremendous spiritual refinement at the time, probably compared to tzaddikim, those incredibly ultimate righteous men and women. They were at a level of spirituality which enabled them to receive the Torah, to receive the presence of God himself, to stand there and witness this incredible gift, the gift of Torah, the gift of revelation that God gave the Jewish people. Now, there is something, in fact, our sages tell us, is greater even than that, and that is the action of Teshuvah, as I explained before, that, yes, there was a mistake There was a transgression. You slipped. You behaved badly. You challenged your faith in a negative sort of way. But the opportunity of repentance brings us to a level far greater than what existed before. Far greater? How can there be anything anything be greater than Revelation at Sinai? How could there be anything greater than God himself coming down, so to speak, revealing himself? And I know these are words that we use lightly but it means the depth of spirituality, of greatness, God himself coming to us, physical creatures, giving us his Torah, giving us his wisdom, revealing his presence of greatness within the structure of creation. One can talk about this for hours and merely touch touch the the ultimate surface of this topic. What can be greater than that? And the answer is Teshuvah the opportunity of repenting and reestablishing a greater commitment, a greater connection, a greater revelation that even existed before the power of teshuva, the expression of the true Baal teshuva, the one who has returned after walking along a dark and dangerous road. Read the Parsha and you will see incredible things. Moshe realizes that this is a moment of great opportunity. He turns to God again and again and again and pleads with God. Give us this, give us that, and what does Hashem give us? He gives us one level of greatness, spirituality after the other. The 13 levels of divine compassion, where God says, I will be connected with you. Moshe draws out, so to speak, from God level after level, of re-establishing a far greater and more powerful relationship with God. This is the essence of the Parsha. The essence of the Parsha is not that the Jewish people sinned. Yes, that's part of the story, and that was a mistake, and they should have been far more careful. But at the same time, the essence of the Parsha, the essence of the Parsha talks to us about repentance, the opportunity to correct the past, the ability to elevate oneself to a far higher level. Moshe, as a loving leader, not only does he bring about forgiveness for his people, he brings about the opportunity of taking from even greater levels of godliness revelation and connection, bonding with at a far deeper and more powerful level than existed before even at Revelation Sinai. And this is why this is the Parsha of Kitisa to elevate, to elevate to a far higher level, to become different. And this is possible not only in these great dramatic moments of something like the golden calf, which unfortunately brought the Jewish people down to, well, a very, very sad level. In fact, God turns around to Moshe, who is in heaven at this time, and says, Lech Red, go and descend, your people have fallen. And you as their leader should go and clean up that negative situation. It was a moment of great danger. It was a moment of tremendous, tremendous negativity. It was a moment, God forbid, that could have resulted in the worst possible situation. Moshe does what he has to do. He goes down there and he shatters the luchot, the tablets that contain the Ten Commandments. But what does he do right after that? He turns to Hashem and begins to plead for his people. He begins to plead for his people not only to, well, as a s- responsible and committed and loving leader to plead for his people, but rather to give them the opportunity by drawing out from God greater levels to give them the opportunity of reconnecting through the Shiva to God himself at a higher level. And this is why this Parsha, while, of course, at initial reading, is disturbing, challenging. We shudder at the thought, how is it possible the Jewish people could have behaved? Well, so stupidly. But after we begin to examine the Parsha very carefully, what we begin to sense is an altogether presence within this story. The story continues with Moshe drawing out from God incredible gifts of greatness, and allows the Jewish people, through proper connection, to once again bond with God at a far higher level. Ki, ti, sa. This is what the entire portion is all about. In fact, it ends with a story, as I mentioned before. The kiar that was used to wash the hands and feet of the kahanim, the priests, before they entered into the temple to serve. What happens there? Well, hands and feet are very, very external to one's being but this is the opportunity of elevating even those far greater well external aspects of our life to levels that can be used in the service of God Yes, we can't walk without our feet. We can't do the service without our hands. But at the same time, it's not the head. It's not the heart. It's not the higher levels, because those higher levels are well protected. What we need to do is to elevate the external dimensions. And if we begin to look at it in life, we begin to recognize how many different external levels of life we possess and what we have to do in order to bring them into a state of ki tisa, elevate elevation to a higher level, to a level that didn't exist before, to something which is altogether different, this is what the Parsha is all about. And therefore, instead of being a negative, sad Parsha, coming so soon, certainly this year, some coming the Shamas right after Purim, we begin to see that this is a celebration, a celebration of repentance that brings us to greater levels of spirituality, greater levels of connection, and greater levels of joy. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about Kitisa, the Parsha that talks to us about, well, one of the most tragic moments in Jewish history, the story of a golden calf. And yet we begin to see within the Parsha that far from being only a negative retelling of, well, a tragic moment in Jewish history, it is an opportunity of Teshuvah to repent, to elevate Kittisa, to come to an entirely different level, in a sense even greater than the level of revelation that took place at Sinai weeks before the story of the Golden Calf. But it goes beyond that as well, as I mentioned earlier on, that this Shabbos, it's called Shabbos Parah. When we read the laws of the, well, the red heifer, the red heifer is a complicated law. In fact, it's so complicated that even King Solomon, the wisest of men, said, I tried and I delved and I delved, but I couldn't come to understand the reason, the logic behind this law. Torah, in fact, tells us, Zot Chukat This is the ultimate suprarational. rational Illogical law of Torah, it makes, well, very little sense, if at all. It's something which simply cannot be understood. The person who prepares this liquid to purify individuals from the state of tuma spiritual impurity, to a state of Tahara, to a state of spiritual purity, he himself becomes impure. While using this, you can purify others. It makes very little sense at all. And there's a number of things that we learn from the law of the red heifer. First of all, not everything can be understood with human logic. Some things are simply beyond our understanding. Yes, as I've often said, the human intellect is incredibly powerful and we use, well, a small portion of it. But in actual fact, it comes to a limit because human logic Regardless of how great it is, and far, far greater than we imagine it to be, nonetheless, being human has its own limitation. And certain spiritual laws coming from Hashem are, in fact, so developed at a higher level that human intellect cannot penetrate the reason, the logic behind that law. The other thing that we learn from the story of the Red Heifer is, as I said before, It transforms one from a state of spiritual tuma impurity to a state of tahara, a state of spiritual purity. And that in itself is something which is difficult for us to understand, if at all. What does it mean to be in a state of tuma, spiritual impurity, or tahara, to be in a state of spiritual purity? It's not a physical condition. It's not something that is manifest that we are able to see. It basically refers to a tremendous sense of losing sensitivity to spiritual things. Tuma means that I cannot behave in a way I cannot be involved in the regular well ongoing levels of spiritual activity because I have lost sensitivity as a result of many things. Tuma is a powerful darkening element that can invade the human condition to such a degree that the human cannot function properly anymore because so much of spirituality is now blocked as a result of this incredible, this incredible insensitivity to matters spiritual. Now, that in itself is a complicated concept. How can something invisible, how can something, well, ethereal almost, create this type of condition that either allows me to function properly and productively within a spiritual environment or something, God forbid, brings about well, this incredible insensitivity to matters spiritual. And while, of course, we can talk about that for a long time, nonetheless, at the end of the day, it's one of those things that we don't understand very well, if at all. And yet, this supra rational law, of the red heifer, the ash mixed with the water, with the special grass, etc., is able to transform the individual from a state of intense, acute negativity to one of great positive spiritual enhancement. Perhaps once upon a time it was difficult to understand these things, but with the current situation of corona in our lives today, we begin to see how, well, within weeks, days sometimes... What happens in one distant corner of the world suddenly becomes an issue throughout the entire civilized world. What happens in an isolated area as a result of we don't even know the real causes is able to spread with such incredible speed and devastation throughout the entire world. People are affected wherever they go. And the effect is not only, well, self-quarantine or quarantine or individuals will have to be hospitalized with special, well, special attention, but it affects every aspect of life, our social behavior, travel, the finance of the world, the economy of the world. Everything is suddenly thrown into a state of helter-skelter, of tremendous confusion. And while it's difficult for, really to, for us to really understand, and yes, we can talk about contagious this and infectious that, and we talk about this prevention and that prevention, the fact is it's something which boggles the mind. How the behavior of one or a group of individuals in one corner of the world suddenly has this dramatic impact upon the rest of humankind, all the world as we know it. And yet it's there and this is what tuma is all about tuma is this invisible thing that can affect the lives of individuals you come into contact with somebody whose tuma you are infected by that individual's tuma etc 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 and what we need in order to combat something like that is the red heifer the red heifer which in itself is something difficult to understand nonetheless has the spiritual power to remove that facade of negativity and bring about a positive state. Please God, we should find vaccine and medication for the current situation, and that of course will be a great blessing to all of humankind coming from Hashem. But we're talking about the red heifer, the red heifer that elevates one from a state of intense negativity to a state of spiritual greatness. What we spoke about within the parsha Yes, the Jewish people were in a state of tremendous spiritual negativity at the time of the Golden Calf. But through Teshuvah, through the overtures of Moshe to Hashem, and pleading with the Jews in turn to change their ways, to repent, they were elevated to a far higher level. This is what this parasha is all about. And not only Kitisa in itself, but it is enhanced by the fact that it is para. The Shabbos that we read about changing the world from a state of tuma into a state of Tahara, of spiritual sensitivity. And this is why when you're in shul tomorrow, listen carefully. Listen carefully to the story. It will be a disturbing story. Yes, of course, you'll wonder why. How could this have possibly happened But when you keep in mind what in fact follows with Moshe pleading with God and drawing out from God deeper and greater levels of forgiveness, of spiritual enhancement, you will realize that this was a great moment for the Jewish people to actually elevate themselves to a far higher level, kitisa at Rosh, to elevate the head, similar to the Pura, which as a result of its application is able to change intense negativity into something which is positive. Listen carefully to those words and try and find within yourself a dimension that can be elevated by applying these concepts in your personal life. May we continue to have the month of Adar, a month of great joy. May joy come to us spiritually, physically, in every sense of the word in the current situation. As we approach the month of Nisan soon. The month contains the festival of Pesach, the festival of Exodus and Redemption and Liberation. We are living in, well, challenging times, but moments of great, great opportunity. Let's focus correctly. Let's see, in fact, what we can do. And not only with all the hype of what we have to prevent, which is necessary, but at the same time to elevate ourselves, to try and take a negative situation, Transform it into something powerful and positive. Become greater people as a result. Good Shabbos.